Poking the National Security Agency's Bear, the Fedora Chronicles radio show for June 21st, 2020. In an episode that was recorded on May 20th, 2020, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Fisk, finished the conversation that began in the episode, The Hope and Optimism of George Orwell's 1984, about the surveillance state and how social media has been working with the deep state to perpetuate the illusion voters might have on whether or not we actually have a choice on who gets elected in the United States primaries and general elections. Also, a more detailed look at programs such as PRISM and whether or not government agencies still have the capability to spy on you online. Spoiler alert, they always had access and they always will and will never let a silly thing like laws, rules, and regulations stand in their way. If we can't recognize the bill called USA Freedom Reauthorization Act of 2020 is truly Orwellian and is a perfect example of doublespeak, then our society is hopeless and totally lost. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to new episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with show notes, a peek behind the scenes, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logo and slogans right on them. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and our website on the air. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show with pop culture and current events through the perspective of classic film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from true crime, government conspiracies and cover-ups, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Player FM, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Google Play on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. Once again, this is Jay Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's entitled to complain about the bad shit going on in their life because everyone has bad shit. Right. But even in the midst of that, sometimes I think it's healthy to take a look at your bad shit and say, it's not as bad as that shit over there. I know. It could be worse. Um, right. Your parents could be podcasters. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Carol likes to refer to herself as a podcast widow. Because when, <laughs> when, 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 you know, when certain, you know, when the conditions are right and I've, I'm either doing our own podcast or I'm invited on somebody else's life stops for everybody else. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, somebody has actually invited me to be on their podcast to talk about certain conspiracy theories and perfect segue into one of the things that I wanted to talk about last week's episode, we did the hope and optimism of George Orwell's 1984. And and we were talking about how the government has all of these tools and the ability to get all the information that you freely give out in one way, shape, or form. And they're keeping it in a data center somewhere in Utah. And you and I had, it wasn't a, it was a friendly debate. You say it's the only one. I think you're crazy if you think that that's the only one or they're not already making plans to make a second. 
Well, I'm not going to downplay that they may not be making a second. I mean, I, that is distinctly possible. Right. They may be. And we were. They may very well be. And, but anyway, continue. And we were talking about this. And we were and we were just babbling on and on about this. And I thought there's an aspect to this that we're not talking about. We're missing a we're missing a giant chunk. And then in doing the show prep for somebody else's podcast, and and no, I'm I'm not I'm not cheating on you. Um <laughs> I, I can I can handle that. <laughs> okay. One of the one of the things that we forgot to mention uh, is the is the entire aspect of NSA surveillance, and you do a search of NSA surveillance, and especially especially do it using Go, go uh, Duck Duck Go. When you're yes. researching stuff like this, do me a favor: do not use Yahoo, Bing. Or whatever MSN, um, Microsoft is using nowadays. It certainly it's don't Edge. Edge. They call it Edge. Edge yeah. is Edge is the name of their their new browser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Bing is their search engine. Okay. As far as as far as I know, DuckDuckGo is the most secure search engine. And it's uncensored. You don't have all of... The, uh, you don't have Google preventing you from finding certain things. DuckDuckGo is about as close as you can get to getting on the dark web without actually getting on the dark web. And I completely forgot about the NSA's surveillance programs. And we totally forgot about PRISM. Mm -hmm. And PRISM is a big, huge aspect of this. And, and I'm going to actually sort of read a part of the Wikipedia page. And it's Wikipedia, take it from the grain of salt. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. PRISM is a code name for a program under which the United States National Security Agency collects Internet communications from various U.S. Internet companies. The program is also known as SIGAD US-X84XN. I'm going to, get back, going to get back to that later. PRISM collects stored internet communications based on demand made, demands made to internet companies such as Google LLC under Section 702 in the FISA Amendments Acts of 2008 to turn over any data that match court-approved search terms. Among other things, the NSA can use these PRISM requests to target communications that were encrypted when they traveled across the Internet backbone to focus on stored data that telecommunications filtering systems discarded earlier and get the data that is easier to handle. Prism. Okay, so yep, go on, ahead. Hold on. Yep. Let me let me translate some of this a little bit. Okay. Right? So when using the internet, there's a number of things involved. Okay. Every everything you do on the internet goes over what's known collectively as the internet backbone. The right. internet backbone is well, it's literally the backbone of the internet. It right. is the wires and cables that 
connect one state to another, even if it's small states like Rhode Island to Connecticut. Technically, any communication that crosses that boundary is doing so on the internet backbone. Okay. Yep. So, whenever you go anywhere online, whether you're sending an email or you're sending a text message, you're sending, uh, you're in a browser, going to a website, it's crossing over quite a few. Usually, they try and keep it under thirty, but you're going through a number of different connections. You're going first of all through your your connection within your house, your Wi-Fi, if you're unless you're directly connected by cable, you're going through your, your Wi-Fi to your router. You're going from your router to your internet's POP point of presence from your ISP. Your ISP then connects you from there to their backbone and then to the internet's backbone. And then the internet's backbone connects you to the same thing in reverse. It's going to go through an internet, uh, another ISP backbone. Usually you're going to go through a router into a data center. The data center is going to have other routers and switches to direct the traffic as necessary. It depends on how their website's set up within their hardware. But that's what the internet is. Now, when they talk about the internet backbone, there are a few companies that actually own what's normally in the U.S. anyway, fiber optic, giant fiber optic cables. When I say yeah. giant fiber optic cables, I'm talking about cables that are three to four inches in diameter that have shielding on them and are literally lying underground. Because um, no cables like that are actually above ground. They're all underground connections. Yeah. So you're to see this in action, if anyone wants to actually see what's going on, you can go to, you can open up a command prompt on your computer and just type in T-R-A-C-E-R-T and then whatever internet destination you want to go. So if I type in the FedoraChronicles.com after doing the trace route as it's known, it's going to show you trace, tracing route to the FedoraChronicles.com over a maximum of 30 hops. And then in brackets, it'll have the IP address for the point of presence for the Fedora Chronicles. And every single hop that you're doing is crossing over from one to another of those steps that I outlined. Like I just did that and I went through from my computer to my Wi-Fi to, because I'm in an apartment building, it went from my Wi-Fi router, which is also our internet connection within our apartment, to the apartment complex's connection to Utopia Fiber, and then Utopia Fiber to what's called Core 1, SLC 1, then Den 1, then OMA 1, Chai 1, Det 1. So SLC, Salt Lake City, Den 1 is Denver, OMA 1 is Omaha, Chai 1 is Chicago, Det 1 is Detroit. Then from there, it went to DTW Nexus, and then there's four hops from Nexus until it gets to the end. Nexus is the ISP that you use as a hosting site for the, the FedoraChronicles.com. Yes. Funny how you can figure that out really quick. And other people yeah. are just too stupid to be able to figure out. And, I would say stupid. No, no. Because I couldn't no. explain to you how, the, how, how an 
car engine works and other people can in right. the same level of detail. Well, so no, but but the thing is, is, is that there was some there was some controversy where somebody had made a false accusation about the Fedora Chronicles, and that they went so far as going all the way to Concord, our state capital, to get to the bottom of of this lie, and you could pretty pretty much figure out. Uh, I'm getting off topic, and we're both getting off topic. When we I, are a little bit, but okay. I think it's important for people to understand that when you're talking about, like when I talk about it's easy to capture emails and read everything, right? Every single one of those steps is a place where someone can put out a figurative net to capture right. any communication. Right. And once you get to an ISP like Utopia Fiber, that is something that is tracking every, all of those communications. And that's where they know. They can tell if you've been to a porn site, if you've been researching, excuse me, if you've been researching how to make a bomb, if you've been looking into, you know, mass shootings of the last five years, if you've been looking into, you know, places to rent, if you've been looking into places to buy, car, any, all of that stuff can be gathered starting at the ISP. And then once you get to anything that says core one, is the internet backbone. A lot of communications on the internet backbone is actually encrypted. And what they're talking about here with these prism requests is that the NSA can use that to gather data from those SLC, DEN1, OMA1, all of those stages, anything that's core one. Core one is basically the trace route code for the internet backbone so they can gather any and all data on that and as i mentioned in the beginning of my little tirade that includes everything you do that involves the internet any of your credit card transactions that you do whether you're standing in a store or sitting in your home are all gone they all go over the internet now yes so that's how that data is transferred. So if they can do that on, on the gather that encrypted data going across the internet backbone, yep. which your credit card transactions are, by the way, more and more data is being encrypted as we use it. Most websites, for right. example, are now using HTTPS instead of HTTP, but whatever. Well, anyway, the, these Prism requests are gathered, can get all of that information. And think about how much you use the internet or anything internet related like your cell phone because those go over the same type of networks. It would actually be easier what, for you. That's the importance of it. It would actually be easier for you to count the number of things that you don't use the internet for. Now, here, here's, right. here's where it gets a little personal for me. Mm-hmm. In the late 1990s, in early 2000s, I got a couple of jobs at telecom communications companies outside the Boston area. And I, and I signed a piece of paper from, from both companies. And when I left the other company, they actually gave me a check to never talk about this for 10 years. I literally signed a piece of paper that said that I'm not allowed to talk about what I'm about to say for 10 years. And that sort of expired a a couple of months ago. 
or a couple of weeks ago. If you do a Google search for room 641A, it'll take you to a Wikipedia page. And half of this is bullshit, and I'll tell you why in a second. Room 641A is a tele telecommunications interception facility, facility operated by AT&T for the U.S. National Security Agency as part of its warrantless surveillance program as authorized by the Patriot Act. The facility commenced operations in 2003 and its purpose w was publicly revealed in 2006. The word that I'd like to use in, in, in describing this description, as it were, is bullshit. It's bullshit. Because it's not just this one facility that, that had every single telecom communication company that I have ever worked for, including one of the companies that actually built the internet backbone starting as far back as 1964 as part of the a reaction to the Cuban Missile Crisis and Jack Kennedy had said years before, hey, what if there really was a nuclear strike? We should have a receptacle for all of the data in case we need to rebuild civilization from scratch. Okay? That's, that's, that's part of the, the welcome to the company seminar. How did we get started? Why did we build the internet backbone in the first place? Well, it all dates back to the Cuban Missile Crisis, blah, blah, blah. And there were a couple of times when I drove into work and I parked my car and there were these blue license plates with white text, U.S. government. And these guys who are all wearing similar suits would go into a room or go into the knock, as it were, which is sort of like, just imagine the bridge of the Enterprise. It's just 10 times larger and they have all these computer screens that monitor internet traffic. And they direct the internet traffic to go the cheapest route that you could possibly imagine. And on regular occasions, people from the NSA or the FBI or the CIA would go to these facilities and they would have access to whatever it is that they wanted. And the internet companies wouldn't say boo. They wouldn't say you can't do that, you don't have a warrant. No, no, come on in, come right on in. Oh, would you like a cup of coffee? Would you like a donut? Would you like a Danish? Would you like Eric to go pick up your dry cleaning? They would allow these people to do whatever it is that they wanted and they didn't they didn't start doing it back in 2003. They were doing it long before I got there in 1998 or 1997. They were doing it long before that. What happened with the US Patriot Act is that they just made it more public and made it more easier for people to go in and have access to this. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to tell you the companies that I used to work for, that they used to do this. And because of my dad's background and my dad's experience and the conversations that I had with my dad, my dad said, oh yeah, here's what they're doing. And he told me what they were doing. You're an idiot. And his words, not mine. 
You're an idiot to think that this is something new. You're an idiot to think that they have laws that keep them from gathering this information and tapping into this information. The government owns the infrastructure. It's their property. They own, um, well, this is according. This, not, yeah. Okay. Dad, yeah. This, this is according to my dad. They commissioned companies like BBN to build the backbone for the internet. Right. Okay. BBN still owns, still owns the hardware. They still own and are responsible for the upkeep of it. Of they course. Don't get, they don't get grants from the government, not relying on government money. The, the money that you pay an ISP in part right. goes to their upkeep of that. So right. like another thing, like if you in that trace route, core one indicates that it's the backbone. Right. SLC one as it will indicate whether the ge wherever the geographic location is. Right. The numbers in front are particular to um, which connection you're making through a particular right. switch route, whatever. Yep. And the he.net is in the indicative of the person of the company that is responsible for that background. I don't know who he.net is, but like sometimes it'll be BBN, sometimes it'll be ATT, sometimes you know. So it's yeah, those are it's all the internet. The internet is made was made and designed by universities who had grants given to them by the federal government, yeah. mostly the military. The internet as we think of it today is owned and run by private corporations, some of whom had grants from the government. The majority, to my understanding anyway, the majority did not. So the original internet was just text mm -hmm. going back and forth. So we are with what we consider to be like the World Wide Web was when graphics were introduced. So that you actually had a browser that would interpret the code and show you pretty pictures along with the text. Right. Prior to that, you had, you had to download those pictures. Right. And that was not part of the experience. So we're on like internet, like version three right now, which is where cloud applications and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah. But the majority, to, yeah. to put things in perspective, your dad was partially correct and Partially, as is usual with your dad, way off his rock. Right <laughs> the government doesn't own any of that shit. Well, the government owns nothing. Well, some of it was paid for with grants back then, but that didn't mean the government owned it. Right. But so. one, one, one of the things that, because my dad used to like to talk in hyperbole, and 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 he and I and I picked up this habit. Like, how, what are the most sensational adjectives that I can use to get your attention? Oh, I'm going to use them. <laughs> that's that's basically my dad. Yeah, you're fooling yourself if you believe that the FBI, the CIA, and the NSA allow laws to keep them from doing what they do. They don't allow things like warrants or the lack thereof to get in the way of what they wanted to get a hold of. 
Right. And this is something I think a lot of people lose track of. When you're talking about the NSA, it's not like when you're watching a crime show on TV and they're talking about needing to get a warrant from a judge to do something. I don't know what the process is for the NSA, but it's that ain't it. They're no, not that, going no. to a judge. No. They're probably. In, in, yeah. Yeah. In a, in a lot of cases, at least nowadays with that big data center in Bluffdale, they have the data. They're not asking anyone for permission to get the data. They're just asking for permission to look at the data they've already gathered. Exactly. Now, part of this, part of PRISM also included, they actually went to, uh, I know they went to Google, they've gone to Microsoft, they went to Apple, um, and they asked for backdoors into the operating system. Now, most of the companies made a big hullabaloo about saying, no, you're not getting a backdoor. But all of the companies they went to have since admitted there is a backdoor. Yeah. They haven't said whether the government has access to it or not. But the reason why, like, for example, Microsoft admitted that they have a backdoor is because hackers have it. Hackers found they it. They have that back. Hackers, hackers found it. So hacker, they know yeah. it came out that there is a backdoor. So clearly Microsoft knows about it their own backdoor. Hackers also found one in the Apple operating system for all you people out there saying, ha, Apple's more secure. No, it's not. Apple is a hacked version of what's called FreeBSD kernel. FreeBSD kernel is the same thing behind Linux. Apple's bastardized it and beaten it into a shape that looks like the Apple operating system prior to that. Yeah. And it has all of the inherent holes and security holes that all FreeBSD right. based and operating systems have. Right. Do they know about them? Oh, I don't know. I know Apple is really invested in making you think you'll never get a virus, which is a lie too. So right, right. My confidence in Apple is really low. Right. But anyway. But anyway, because that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast with you is that you will go on these tangents and you will kind of basically explain for the layman these really technical nerdy things that are more easily understood um and one of the things that that we should really ought to talk about as well that like and we talked about this on the last episode from business insider these towering windowless bombproof buildings in major u.s cities are reportedly part of an under the radar partnership between at&t and the NSA. And that was a news article from, it's going to be almost two years on June 26th. Yeah, it's a, it's a month shy of being two years. AT&T has been helping the NSA with its mass surveillance program, according to the documents and sources obtained by The Intercept. Eight AT&T buildings around the U.S., many fortified, are used as sites where the NSA can tap into phone, text, and browsing records from around the world, documents suggest. A nuclear bomb-proof building in New York and, and a mostly windowless building in Los Angeles are among these sites. AT&T did not address the claim, but said that it fulfills legal obligations. The NSA declined to comment. There are other there are other articles about this. <laughs> the NSA declined to comment. <laughs> Can you imagine being the person that actually called the NSA? 
Hi, I'd like to find out if there's any truth to the fact that you can spy on every single communication that goes on over the internet. Click. <laughs> just, 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 just imagine being the receptionist on day one. Hi, this right? is hi. This is Mike Wallace from Sixty Minutes. We'd like to actually talk to you about how the NSA has been tapping into your uh, your backbone to the internet, your access to the internet, to spy on Americans. Imagine taking that call. Oh my God, it's Mike Wallace. Now I know that Mike Wallace doesn't do... Is Mike Wallace even still alive? He's not the one that actually does the phone call, no. No, but you can just imagine. They yeah. actually they actually did a, a great behind-the-scenes movie called The Insider, which it's not about government surveillance, it's about something else. But it, it basically... De it's, it's a great movie about how the show producers get guests on the show. Um... We should actually we should actually watch that again, um, but the but the problem to all of this, the problem to all of this, is that if it wasn't for COVID nineteen, and if it wasn't for the pandemic and the quarantine and the debates about masks and whether or not we're ever going to find um, a vaccine, this this would be what this would be the biggest news story. Of the year, because the Senate and the Congress are taking up the issue on whether or not government agencies, specifically the FBI, have the right to this data that they've been collecting and what they can do and not do with this data. So the interesting thing to me is the FBI. Why is it? Why are they specifically singling out the FBI? The absolute God's honest truth, mm -hmm. according to the webmaster of the Fedora Chronicles and the co-host to the Fedora Chronicles radio show with Jay Cousineau, News of the Week, is the warrantless searches into Donald Trump during the 2016 election and how FISA was manipulated into giving ac giving the FBI access to Donald Trump and all of his data that was going over the internet through Trump Tower to give granting access to all of that to the FBI via the FISA courts and there's been a big huge argument about whether or not the FBI should be investigating presidential political candidates and seeing if they are Russian assets or if they are. Well, I'm sorry. I thought the 80s called and wanted their public, the international policy back. Right. Was, was I wrong about that? No, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if Barack Obama said it to Mitt Romney. It must be true. Right. Okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm speculating that if it wasn't for the FBI investigating Donald Trump using these warrants from the FISA court, we probably wouldn't be having these arguments right now or this discussion because Donald Trump made a big, huge issue about whining about it on social media. And that's something else we need to get into.
Yeah, I was going to say we should pro- we could probably just segue right into that. Okay. If it wasn't for Donald Trump saying, listen, I was spied on. They saw everything. They saw everything I'm telling you. Even my porn history, which I don't have to actually go on porn because I am married to the most beautiful woman in the world. Have you ever seen a more beautiful first lady other than Melania? I think not. I don't need porn. I don't need the porn, but they've been spying on me. They know everything that I've been looking at. They've been, they actually claim that they have been watching me on my webcam, watching Jay Cousineau's soft, gentle, beautiful hands, which I'm not doing. I'm not obsessed about Jay Cousineau's hands and how soft and luscious they feel. I'm not. But if I was, the FBI knows. The FBI knows. The FBI knows about my obsession with the website WikiFeet, too. They know. But I don't have an obsession, so they don't know. But that's just an example. An example. <laughs> you have never seen a bigger foot fetish person than me. It's true. It's true. All my friends say, Donald Trump, you have a big foot fetish problem, okay? Nobody has a bigger foot fetish than I do. It's the truth. So anyway. I, I, I don't understand the foot fetish thing. Go ahead. All right. It's the most ridiculous thing I could think of at the top of my head. But so the, if it wasn't for Donald Trump tweeting about how he found out that they were spying on him, we wouldn't be having these conversations about whether or not the FBI should have access to your browser data. From my That's my perspective. We probably Well, I think there's some truth to that. If it wasn't if it wasn't for that it happened to someone who was as high profile as Trump, not necessarily Donald Trump in particular, but say it had happened to Hillary Clinton, right? I think it still would have come out. But it needed to it, it needed to be someone within the political process who is not afraid to right. speak up and say, Now that's some class A bullshit. Right. I mean you know as well as I do that Hillary Clinton would have gone would have made a stink to high heaven if she'd found out that what had happened to Trump had happened to her. Right. But, right. Right. Um, so that kind of, I, I definitely, yeah. Right. So the connection to all of this with this week's news, and I sent you the link, this is literally breaking news. We're breaking news on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Donald Trump is going to sign an executive order curtailing some of the powers of social media, especially Twitter. We don't know the specifics of this executive order that he's about to sign. But basically, it's going to pre- it's allegedly supposed to prevent social media companies such as Twitter from censoring certain people under certain parameters. So we don't know. So here here's the th- here's my initial gut reaction to this right is to me that goes beyond the authority of an executive order sure this is something that i think trump i think anyone who challenges this from a constitutionality level has a leg to stand on i think it's it's a valid criticism to say does he even have a right to do does he even have the authority to do that at the same time, I'm saying that there's also a part of me that says, who the hell, you know, you and I have been talking 
both online and in our personal conversations about who the fuck does Facebook and Twitter think they are telling me what's fact-checking shit that I say or checking anything at all. They don't have a research facility. They don't have people who go out and determine whether this is true or not. And you're going to fact-check people's opinions now? You and I have had this discussion. Right. So we've, we've practically... It's one of the five things that we talk about consistently on the Federal War Chronicles radio show with Jay Cousineau's News of the Week. It's one of the things that exactly. we consistently talk about. One of the... And here's... And, we're treading old ground when I say this. There's a reason why I do the Pedora Chronicles the way I do it. Because God forbid I say something like like something what I had just said. I know for a fact because I was there and I saw this. I saw people from the U.S. government going into telecom companies and tapping into their access to the backbone, the internet backbone, and getting all the information they want. I know for a fact that they were doing exactly just that on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1999, well into the morning of January 1st, 2000. I know for a fact because I was there that day where and night with my wife while we while we were watching the knock as it were yep. i know for a fact they did that because i was there and i had some 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 people who worked there who were in really into anarchists is the best way that i could call them they were anarchists and they were saying hey man that's what they're doing i work for a company that's allowing this to happen man i'm pissed Let's protest or something. Well, if right. you if if you do, you'll lose your 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 all of your benefits and your four hundred one k and and um you'll be in Get violation fired. yeah and you'll be in violation of of your confidentiality agreement that you 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 signed when when right. you when you decided you wanted to take a paycheck from us. Right. What what they're what they are doing now? What Donald Trump is trying to do? is trying to prevent people like Jack Dorsey from Twitter from harassing people and censoring people who post things on the internet. Business Insider had published this article from Sona Ghosh is the author. It looks like Trump's draft executive order, yeah. It looks like Trump's draft executive order targeting Facebook and Twitter got leaked online. It looks like the executive order threatened by President Trump against social media companies has leaked. Law professor Kate Klosnick published what she claimed was a draft of an order via Twitter. The draft targets a section of the U.S. law that has historically meant big tech platforms such as Facebook and Twitter aren't legally responsible for what their users posts. Trump is expected to formally sign the order Thursday after a dispute with Twitter over fact-checking his tweets. So the so basically what Donald Trump is doing may or may not, depending on who you ask, 
it may violate an aspect of the First Amendment or it might protect an element of the First Amendment. Let's wait and see what happens. I'd like to be able to record an episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show, News of the Week with Jay Cousineau, after it gets released, but chances are I'm going to be working the next three days doing 12-hour shifts and not be able to get to a microphone when this, when this is finally released. We might do a special episode next week. But this is, a, this is a big, huge game changer. One of the things that you and I have talked about excessively is how social media companies like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube censor people for saying things that they don't like and that people like Mark Zuckerberg has been on the record saying he's going to use the power of his platform to influence elections. Right, and Project Veritas caught Google doing, Google executives doing the same thing. And like Jack Dorsey saying, we will continue to point out incorrect or disputed information about elections globally, and we will admit and own any mistakes we make. I was with him up until that last statement. Yeah. Because I am unaware of any time that Twitter has admitted or owned any of the mistakes they made. I don't think they I know have. Facebook never has. I know Google never has. Therefore, I have little ex right to expect that Twitter will. Based on past history, admitting you fucked up is, first of all, not going to happen. And second of all, going to be too late anyway because the damage will be done. Right. Look at what happened with Tulsi Gabbard's campaign. That's another Barack thing. Yeah, that's another thing in our, in, in our show notes. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Well, Barack Obama became president because he knocked a speech at, at the DNC out of the park. At, a, at a, what was it? It was the DNC. Um, it was the convention. Um, he knocked it out of the park in what well, it was Bush's reelection, right? And that set his path to becoming president, the president following Bush. He went from in four years, he went from a nobody to giving that speech. And once he gave that speech, the internet searches and all of that stuff drove right after Bush was uh, out of office. Tulsi Gabbard had a fantastic performance at one of the presidential yep. debates, and Google prevented that same thing from happening to her. Right. So, in my opinion, you know, Tulsi's lawsuit against Google is definitely because the course of her life was changed right. by the fact that these know it all sitting in fucking California decided. No, we don't want her to be president. Now, do they have a right to do that as a private company? Yes, they do. Does that mean she can still seek legal damages for what could have been a course change, a life-changing event for her? Yep. Absolutely. So you'll forgive me, Mr. Dorsey, if I don't believe you when you say you will admit and own any mistakes you make. Because after the fact, first of all, the damage is already done and you painfully aware of that and we know you're painfully aware of that because you're not idiots you're smart so they know that even if they were to admit they made a mistake they will have accomplished their goal to begin with which is they have decided they are the keepers of the 
coin, and they are going to dole out attention to anyone they see fit, and they will punish people they disagree with. Yeah. That is what we've seen from them. So, Mr. Dorsey, I'm sorry. You can suck my left testicle. You're not good enough for the right. But the, well, yeah. but, but, the but here's the thing. The, the notion that people want to censor Donald Trump from social media platforms such as Twitter is very dangerous. It's, right. it's, it's very dangerous because the idea so, that I have the right to read the president's stream of consciousness as he pisses it away on social media. I like having open access to the crazy things people like Donald Trump says so I can make a decision about whether or not I want to vote for him in the future. That's exactly it. And to me, it's like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Because first of all, Trump's overstepping his authority, in my opinion. And I am not a lawyer. I am not a constitutional scholar. I've read the Constitution. I have what I think is the correct interpretation of it. But like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I think Trump is overstepping his bounds here. I don't want anyone in the government telling a private company what they can and cannot do. That being said, I don't trust these large private companies with them fact-checking anything that gets said on their platform, you know? Don't tell me that it's it can, it's suspicious. I don't believe shit like that. How do I not believe shit like that? Because in the company I work for, I sometimes get emails that are flagged as having suspicious content because they come from a different branch of the same goddamn company. So clearly mistakes can be made. And if mistakes can be made, they can be intentionally manipulated. So yeah, I, I'm, I am not a fan of Facebook or, or Twitter or Google in its various forms flagging anything that gets said as being right. quote unquote suspicious content because what is suspicious about it is graham hancock suspicious because he's saying i think archaeologists are too married to their own dogma and doctrine is that suspicious why what's so suspicious about that he has an opinion about the archaeological field archaeology is people interpreting facts and coming up with conclusions so that archaeology is predominantly just opinion and everyone's entitled to their own opinion by looking at the same facts you know does that mean everything graham hancock says is right or even sane no not necessarily but i'm an adult and maybe you should let me figure that shit out myself yeah you know and if you don't think that well if you, you say well not everyone uses our platform and is an adult okay fine then let their parents decide whether they want their children to do that shit let their parents be here's a thought parents and actually parent their child and be the adult in their lives that the parent right. that the child comes to and says mommy what does this mean and yeah. let mommy tell them what it means because God damn, it's worked for the past 200,000 fucking years. Let's let that continue. Well, no, because we because the thing is they want children to have open and free access to any information that they want as a part and how of How could that go wrong? Well, exactly. But the 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 entire notion that there's an executive somewhere that gets to decide which political candidate gets to gets to advertise on their platform or have their voices heard or an executive somewhere at Google gets to throttle up or throttle down somebody's search engine traffic, whatever. That scares the hell out of me and it should scare the hell out of you. I don't care if you don't like Tulsi Gabbard. I don't care. 
she was running for president of the United States. People and should Google be fucked with her ability to do that. People should be able to look up Tulsi Gabbard and see what Tulsi Gabbard has to say about the issues. Google literally fucked the elections, the primary for the DNC. They literally so here's, fucked the right, election. Here's the deal. Anyone in the Democrat Party who's looking at Joe Biden saying, how the fuck did we end up with this guy? If you're not looking at Google, you're an idiot. Because Google is directly related to that. The reason why you have an elderly, senile pervert who likes well, to get know. handsy. We don't, we don't know if he's senile. Come on, let's not okay. you know, step out of bounds here. We know that he's we... just an elderly pervert. Okay, the reason why we have probably one of the most loathsome people running for president from the DNC is because of Google fucking with search engine results. The reason why Tulsi Gabbard was not, did so poorly has nothing to do with Tulsi Gabbard. It has everything to do with the fact that social media companies decided they didn't want her to get ahead in the primary. They did not want people to actually read what she had to say on the issues. Tulsi Gabbard could have blown herself up with whatever it is that she had to say. And I also think that people in Tulsi... shot herself in the foot, yeah. Right. Or she could have been a great president who actually united the fucking country. People would be talking about how exciting it is to have the first woman of color as president of the United States and what a game changer that is if it wasn't for what social media companies did to Google. And now we have people who are literally begging people like you and me to vote for Joe Biden, regardless of the fact that we know that her campaign was sabotaged. There's somebody on, there is somebody on a Tulsi Gabbard group page on Facebook who is literally insulting people for refusing to vote for Joe Biden. You're some kind of an a-hole because you won't vote for Joe Biden. We need to get Trump out of office. And my entire argument against Joe Biden is predicated on the fact that I, I have been following his campaign and his political career since 1988 when he was caught plagiarizing other people's speeches. And he's the architect for the crime bill that has sent people of color to prison disproportionately. And then he went ahead and said that if you don't vote for him, if you're a person of color and you don't vote for him, then you're obviously not black or you're not black enough. And how is it that he's not being just lambasted for that? Because he's not Trump. Yeah, but th that's irrelevant. In all honesty, it's irrelevant. If it was a Republican who's not Trump who said that, it would all we would be hearing about is how it's proof that the Republican Party is for white supremacists. That's what we would be hearing. Right. Yeah. So how is it Joe Biden can say, if you don't vote for me, you're not black? Because how can he say that he is a white man, an old, entitled, rich white man? What is the difference between him saying that and Donald Trump saying that? You forgot. Correct. Anyone, anyone who looks at that and thinks that there's a difference between them is deluding themselves. A white man telling black people about their own self-identity is racist, period. Either that or way I've been called racist all these years needs to be further quote-unquote nuanced yeah you know because when I've had discussions with people who are, are black and don't like jazz I'm like okay you realize you're you're saying that your own culture and uh, 
a highly elevated art form comes specifically from black American culture is shit. Yeah. You know, kind of self-defeating. I get called a racist, right? But Joe Biden can go on a fucking talk show and tell, tell a black host of his own show that you're not black if you don't vote for me. Right. And he gets a pass. Ugh, it's bullshit. Sorry. Go ahead. So, <sighs> and, he, and, he, and, he, and here's here's the other thing. I have signed up to get email alerts from all the political candidates during the primary. I still get emails and texts from both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And it's amazing how they're constantly begging for money. They're constantly begging for money. And I I reached out to the Joe Biden campaign. And I do this once a week. You go to the, you go to their media request page. Nobody from Joe Biden's campaign will come on our podcast to explain to us why we should vote for Joe Biden. I was I I was not going to say anything. I was going to just let this slide and 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 just see what happens because we've gotten burned before. One of the one of the candidates who is running for president in the Libertarian Party is is in talks with me right now to come on the podcast and do a one-on-one interview. I can get Tulsi Gabbard supporters to come on the podcast and talk my ear off and talk about the 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 the, the issues that are important to them. I invite Joe Biden supporters onto the podcast to, to explain to me why I should vote for Joe Biden with the understanding that, that they cannot say because of Trump. Nobody will come on the podcast from Joe Biden's campaigns. Joe Biden supporters will not come on the podcast to talk about Joe Biden. When I put down that ground rule, you cannot say because of Trump, we should vote for Joe Biden. That's the only condition I have. They will not come on the podcast. That's all I need. That's all I need to know. And then Joe Biden himself will go on a podcast with I think the, I think his name is Charlemagne the God is is his is his stage name or is his his name. Um, and he does this this daily podcast called The Breakfast Club. Joe Biden will go on his show. Now, granted, we don't have we don't have big numbers. Right. We don't have a huge audience. I know. I know. I know somebody who is very close with the Obama campaign. I mean, really close with the Obama campaign. Not once has this person reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to have Joe on your podcast? Would you like to have Joe's press secretary? This person has never reached out to me and has never said they're being very, very selective about who Joe talks to. And as Joe supporters realize that they don't have a leg to stand on right right now, I could go on social media and I could invite Trump supporters to come on the podcast and say, why should we vote for, for Donald Trump? Within five minutes, I will get somebody responding saying, I'll come on right now. I'm sure if I reached out to Larry, Larry, and I'm not going to say his last name, but Larry knows who he is. If I said to Larry, Larry, why should we vote for Donald Trump? He'll make the phone ring r- like right now if I wanted to. And I could put him on the podcast right now and he and he'll he'll explain to me why should we should vote for Trump. Right. We may not agree with him. I mean, we may not agree with reasons. him. It, it might be the most entertaining five minutes of podcasting I've ever done. I can get Tulsi Gabbard supporters to come on the show. And it was just and and Tulsi, every single Tulsi Gabbard supporter will say the same thing. The reason why she did so poorly in the in the primaries is because of what happened to her in Google and how the mainstream media ganged up on her and said the most ridiculous things about her. And Hillary Clinton lied about her being a Russian asset. Tulsi Tulsi Gabbard is in is in the United States military. She's a congresswoman and she's on the House. She's select, a native Hawaiian. Native Hawaiian and she's on the House Select Committee for Intelligence. I think I pro- I'm probably mispronouncing, or or, or miss yeah. you know. 
or yeah. Well, at the same time, too, she was also a leader of the DNC up until they screwed over Bernie in the last campaign. And then she stepped down because she's like, I don't want to be a part of this. So she's got that. What did they call that again? It's been so, so long since I mentioned this about someone in active politics in the United States. What's it called? Oh, integrity. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. People. In the 16th Congress, Representative Tulsi Gabbard serves on the following House committees and caucuses. The House Committee on Financial Services, the Subcommittee on National Security, International Development, Monetary Policy, Subcommittee on Diversity and Inclusivity, House Committee on Armed Services, Subcommittee on Emerging Threats, and so on. Boy, if she's a Russian spy, if she's a Russian asset, we're fucked. <laughs> right. If we have a Russian asset that can go on, and here's the thing. Hillary Clinton lied about Tulsi Gabbard. Lied yes. on a podcast. Now, hold on. We want to make sure we're using the right term here. We're not saying like Bush lied, people died because he went, he made a decision based on faulty information that he thought at the time he made the decision was correct. Yeah. We're talking about Hillary Clinton knew for a fact that Tulsi Gabbard had nothing to do with the Russian government and was not a Russian act, a, a Russian asset. And, and she, when she claimed that she was. So Hillary Clinton knew what the truth was when she said her lie. Right. So she literally lied. She was creating and spreading false information to fit her own narrative. And people still fawn over her on Twitter. I don't care. They can fawn over her if yeah. they want. But what, to me, it's more important that everyone knows that we're not saying this because we disagree with her. We're saying we're calling her a liar because she is. What do you think the chances are that that Google probably helped ruin and destroyed the integrity of of this election or at least the primary campaign? And they're responsible for, in part, Donald Trump winning another four years in the White House. Right. No, seriously. What 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 if if somehow if you had like the 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 magic of 2020 hindsight from the perspective of of a couple of decades out from now and you could look back at this moment and you could and you could, and you could literally see what happened and then say if it wasn't for Google Donald Trump would not have two terms in office and why aren't people angry about that or why weren't if you're going to be looking at this from the perspective of somebody 20 years out into the future why aren't people angry about that why well, you... because we don't they don't have that 2020 and by the time they can determine that that is exactly what happened they won't care right yeah it's like okay so Woodward and Bernstein took down an took down um, Richard Nixon right decades later Woodward from Woodward and Bernstein did an expose on an American president and they went from a darling of the left he took down a Republican yep. to an old neocon because he did the exact same thing, i.e. pursued the facts in regards to a Democrat president. Yeah. He didn't change. Woodward did not change who he was or his or his or what he did or his actions did not change. He followed facts and reported the truth. And, you know, it's it. it 
people are dishonest with themselves. They have to lie to themselves before they can lie to anybody else. And the truth of the matter is the people at Google could be responsible for the re-election of Donald Trump. They couldn't have predicted that Joe Biden would be the presidential candidate when they took Tulsi Gabbard out of the running. They couldn't have predicted that. There's yeah. no way on earth they could have known that's that 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 is how that would eventually have come out come out. Yep. But the important part of that is that why the fuck did they think they should do anything? What was so damaging about Tulsi Gabbard? And even beyond that, who the fuck do they think they are playing with those results? Who the hell do they think they are? Are they really that arrogant? Do they really think they know that much? about society and people who who the hell do these people think they are oh we don't want tulsi gobbard well you know what you're like maybe a dozen people so we don't elect people that a dozen people think should be the president yeah you know are you trying to create your own illuminati thing here going on because if you are you done fucked up right you know because you got caught you got caught by a comedian who turned into a political commentator that's who caught them, by the way. Stephen, um, what's his name? Um, I can see his face. I'm drawing, uh, drawing. Uh, uh, anyway, he got caught by a guy who's a conservative commentator. He had used to have a YouTube channel. Oh, um, Stephen Crowder? Stephen Crowder. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, we actually Stephen had Crowder's audio of that. the one who caught them. Yeah. He caught them. And not only did he catch them, he proved that they did it. And he proved that it was intentional. Because it only ha happened in the United States. It didn't happen in Canada. It didn't happen in Europe. So he proved that it was Google intentionally manipulating their algorithm, right? So who the fuck do these people think they are? Clearly, they're not that smart if a fucking comedian can catch them doing it. A comedian that they now want to censor, by the way, for misinformation. Facebook would have banned Steven Crowder. Twitter would have banned Steven Crowder from publishing that. They yeah. would have said that this is a conspiracy theory and not valid. And what he said was, you can do it yourself. This is how you do it. Yeah. Here's live screenshots of what we're doing as we do it. And these are the results we're getting. Yeah. Explain that, Mr. Google. And they would have flagged him at if they had these policies in place, they would have flagged him at the time. And a lot of people out there would not be aware that Google manipulates their search returns. A lot of people today aren't aren't aware of it. And people want to be aware of it. And people wonder why we will not publish the podcast on certain platforms, knowing right. knowing full well this is going to get flagged by somebody as fake news. I mean, here's a and pe people flag us on as fake news on in groups on Facebook. Right. To be honest, being flagged as fake news on some of those groups, we were wearing as a badge of honor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just. Ugh. They just cannot. There are some people who simply cannot stand the the fact that you and I, we read the news for about six days. And on the seventh day, we comment on what happened. And on the ninth day, I put it out on the Internet. Here are two nerds who, who comment on what they read on the news and share it with the rest of the world. This is what this is why we think this story is important. Here are the here are the sources. We're fake news. What drove me what drove me crazy this past weekend is that somebody who is the founder and the admin of a group that I belong to. It's a local group that celebrates all things New Hampshire, especially all things Southern New Hampshire in this part of the town, this part of the state. And she had said that she missed seeing our posts on her group. And, and I, because and, pastors who do their sermons 
and they record them and they put them out as MP3s out on the internet, people are able to link to that on that group. And I have no, I have no problem at all. I do a, a, a news commentary show and people lost their effing minds because I posted it on this, this group. There are people who post political stuff all the time on this Facebook group. We do a show about commentary on the news and that somehow we're, we're pariahs and something like, oh, what is this doing here? Right. The same exact people who were like, oh, my God, what is, what is the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week doing here? Oh, my God, they'll let anybody on. The same people who boast the same political crap about, oh, we're having a political rally. rally. We're, ha we're, we're having a quilting bee against Trump. Oh, come, come, come join our rally against Trump. Oh. Now, here's the thing, though, right? Yeah. To my knowledge, you and I on the podcast have never said that they shouldn't do that. Oh, absolutely. You want to have if you want to have quilters against Trump, fucking have quilters against Trump. That's fine. You know, are we going to talk about like, you know, ghosts and aliens and shit like that? Of course we are. Sure. Why? Because it interests us. But we're telling you when we're giving you our opinion, we're telling you the sources which we are getting our facts by which we then base our opinions. You can disagree with us. We expect a lot of people oh, I hope to you disagree would. with us. I hope to be honest. Yeah. You know, and what we're trying to do is say, hey, these are our opinions. Let's discuss this like grown adults. And then you've got a lot of people out there who don't respond like grown adults. They just hold their breath and, you know, scrunch up their faces and pound their feet on the floor going, I don't like you. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe, you know, when you get out of elementary school, we can actually have a discussion. But until then, have a cup of shut the fuck up. <laughs> Mace. <laughs> Enjoy your fresh hot cup of shut the fuck up from your <laughs> mug from zazzle.com slash store slash the Fedora Chronicles. We have a brand new mug that's uh, that's purple. That's lilac color. I made yes. specifically for my wife. You can enjoy your cup of shut the fuck up served fresh and hot from your coffee mug from our Zazzle store. And the link is. And the picture is actually on the show page. Enjoy. All proceeds. I think it looks nice. Yep. 12.5% of our sales go directly to keeping the Fedora Chronicles live and on the air. And if you donate $150 to our Patreon page, I will send you a tote bag, just like PBS. Only better, because we use words like fucking shit and dumb bastard. <laughs> and we actually quote our sources. And we quote our sources. None of which happens on PBS. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you saw it on PBS Frontline. It must be true. Right. They won't tell you where they got their information. And to be fair, PBS used to have its own investigatory staff. I'm not sure if they still do anymore. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I set up this microphone for Harrison and he hasn't even used it yet. Yeah. Because we've been ranting. Yeah. And I got to I got to actually go to work soon. Yeah, you and your lame excuses about going to work. I think that this is a really this is first of you all You know, if if people hold on, I would like to plug and say that anyone who complains about us having to cut our program short because I actually have to go to my day job, if enough people donate on Patreon, we wouldn't have to do this. <laughs> There's a threshold if we if we can make a certain amount of money Every month, consistently, Jay and I will do this show daily. Damn right. Monday through Friday, we will do News of the Week with Jay Cousineau if we can cross a threshold. I just need to figure out what that threshold is, and then right. go and then go from there. So, Jay, I'm gonna let right. you. I'm gonna let you go and have a, have a great day. 
And um, thanks Thank for you too. and thanks for another controversial episode. <laughs> and I, I that think seems to be our specialty, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. You know, poking the bear. So I think that's going to be the name of this this week's episode: poking the NSA bear. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fedorachronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>